Well, good morning, church. Go ahead and uh, grab a Bible, turn to Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at a, a, a couple of verses there. And as you're turning there, I want to invite you to join us in two weeks. Um, we will have a very, uh, very special guest, uh, preacher on August 30th, uh, both services. And his name is Adrian Burden. And um, let me give you a little bit of background on this. You know, obviously our country is experiencing uh, a significant amount of just racial tension. And so what I wanted to do, my aim was to really uh, help us come to a place where we could really just listen. I, I think that's a great posture for us as Christians is to really listen to people. And so Adrian is an evangelist. He travels all over the world, uh, mainly all over the United States. Uh, preaching in camps and churches all over America. Adrian is an African-American and uh, he's a very gifted communicator. And I asked him to come and share about his experience with racism outside the church. And I also asked him to share about his experience with racism inside the church. And so I think his experience will really uh, bless you and encourage you. And the other thing that he's going to really do for us is he's going to help us see the issue of racism through the lens of the gospel and through God's word. So that is coming on August 30th. I don't want you to miss it. You can invite a friend um, and we would love for you to join us on that day. Everybody get it? All right. Now, we are going to be in Ephesians 5 today, and uh, we are in week three of a series that uh, we have been calling Raise Them Up. And so uh, in this series, I want to talk to our kids. I want to talk to students. I'm going to talk to parents, and I, want to, I really want to just talk to all of us as adults. And so if you have a smartphone with you, I want you to go ahead and just grab it and uh, pull it out. I just want you to look at it. Now, don't, don't check your email right now. That's not the time for this, but um, I want you to just, just pull it out. And I just want you to look at it. And the reason why I want you to look at it is I want you to realize that your smartphone, even if you have the most basic smartphone, uh, your smartphone has more processing power to it than, um, than, than the computers that NASA used to put the first men on the moon. Your smartphone has more processing power. In fact, your, your smartphone has a thousand times more capability than the computers they use to put the first men on the moon. Isn't, isn't that amazing when you really kind of think about it? Um, just, just an incredible thing. I want to show you a picture of the very first hard drive. This is, uh, this is the IBM's Ramzac 305. And uh, you can see that it is about the size of two refrigerators. Uh, so this thing is not very portable. You're not going to put the Ramzac 305 in your back pocket. Uh, but this was the very first hard drive. It was made in 1956. And um, it could hold a whopping five megabyte of data. Can you believe that? Five megabyte of data. Isn't that incredible when you, when you just think about it? And so again, again, your phone, your phone that you have right now blows that completely out of the water. And so Really, it's my contention, and you can have a differing opinion of this, but I think the smartphone has, has been the, the one invention that has altered our life more than any other invention in the history of the world. I really believe that. Like more than fire, more than the wheel, uh, more than the automobile, more than peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I think this has impacted our lives more than anything else in, in all of human history, it really has. And, and the biggest change that the smartphone has brought to us is the fact 
that we're always looking down now. Do you guys realize that? Everywhere we go, we are literally always looking at our phone and we don't even realize this. And the smartphone has really only been around for, I don't know, 10 to 13 years. And so really over the last 10 to 13 years, it has significantly altered uh, our lives in, 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 in a big way. It has really changed us. And so we are a society. Think about this. Just 14 years ago, we would listen to our phones. Now we're looking at them. That's been a huge change. And so we look at them every day. We look at them in every single facet of our life. Uh, we, we look at our smartphone while we're driving. We do that constantly. They, Indiana just passed a law to try to limit that. But I see people all the time, you know, just right there as they're driving a car. We are having family meal time. And what are we doing around the family meal table? We are eating as we're looking at our cell phones. This is a very common, very common sight for us uh, right now. Uh, not only that, but if, you know, you've probably seen people walking by looking, looking at their smartphones. Have you ever noticed this? I've got a quick little video I want to show you that really helps us to see we need to be careful walking and looking at our smartphone. Watch this video real fast. Yeah, so, okay, it did roll. All right, so you got to be a little careful with that. Uh, not only that, but I don't know if you realize this, but we go to sporting events. We will pay a significant sum of money to go to a, support, a, a, a sporting event so that we can look at our phones at the sporting event. Isn't that interesting? And then not only that, but uh, I've noticed in my family, while we're watching a movie together or something, we're watching TV together, uh, everybody's got their phones out. They've got, they're looking at their screen as we're watching a screen. Isn't that kind of interesting? So we are very much into multitasking. Now, the latest statistic is, and I, you know, I, it seems like this is a little low to me, but we'll go with it. Uh, the latest statistic I found is that we check our smartphones, our cell phones, a hundred times a day. We check them a hundred times a day. And what we've done is we've developed a habit. We've developed a ritual. We've developed a behavioral pattern where we're really constantly staring and checking and looking at our phones. And what we've done is we've shaped our technology. And what we don't realize is how much our technology is shaping us. And so what I want to do today is I really want to talk to you about digital technology. And I want to talk to you about discipleship. In fact, what you could really say I'm talking about today is I'm talking about digital discipleship. That's really what I want us to kind of look at today. And I think the question that we have to ask, because we know, church, we know that these smartphones are not going away anytime soon. So iPads and laptops and other digital devices, uh, our smartphones, they're not going away. They're a part of our life now. And I think the question is, the question that we have to really answer is, what does it mean to to be a disciple in the digital age? What does it mean to, to be a follower of Jesus in this information age? And as if parenting wasn't hard enough before the invention of the smartphone, it just got a thousand times harder. Can I get an amen from our parents on that? Absolutely. And there's no parenting manual really out there to kind of help you navigate your kids through this issue. And so I want to take a few minutes and really just kind of 
talk about the reality of this. I think every parent is called by God to, to really disciple their kids so that they understand the blessing of technology, but they also understand the dangers of technology. And I'll just tell you up front that as a dad and as a, as a parent, as a pastor, I haven't been perfect at this. We've made a lot of mistakes. We were early adopters and uh, we've made a lot of mistakes, but it's, not, it's never too late to, uh, to change course. It's never too late to really think about this from a discipleship standpoint. And that's what I want us to do today. So uh, I wanna just share a passage of scripture from Ephesians 5. And we're gonna look at verses 15 through 17. And it's a really short passage. And so I'm gonna invite you, if you are willing and able, would you please stand just out of respect for the word of God given to us. Now, before we read this, let me give you a little bit of the context so that you, you can kind of fit this into the big picture. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, chapters 1, 2, and 3, the Apostle Paul is talking about the gospel story. He's talking about what God has done through his son, Jesus, in saving us and forgiving us and transforming us, in giving us the gospel story. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 are different. Paul is talking about in four, five, and six, our story. He's talking about specifically how to, how to live the new life that Jesus has, has secured for us. So we're gonna be right in the middle of that section. Notice what the apostle Paul says in verse 15. He says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is God's word for God's people. You may be seated. So really what he's saying here is this. He's saying, I, I, I want you to look carefully at how you walk. Now, that's, a, that's kind of a metaphor for how you live your life. He's not literally talking about how we walk. He's talking about how we walk with Jesus every single day. How we, how we navigate the reality of life, of ordinary life every single day. And what he's saying is this, I want you to be careful. I want you to look carefully at how you live your life. I don't want you to do it as unwise, but I want you to be wise. And he gives us a little bit of instruction there. So, so here's, here's really what I wanna do today. I wanna just to do a couple of things. I wanna share with you three traps of digital technology. So if you're thinking about all kinds of digital technology, whether it's iPads or your laptop or smartphone, you, you know, whatever. I, I want to talk about three traps that you and I can easily fall into. And then I want to talk to you about how specifically to glorify God with your smartphone. I, wanna, I just want to talk specifically about how to do that. So let's look at the three traps. Here's, here's what I would say the first trap of digital technology, and it's this. It's the time waster trap. How many of you have ever wasted time on your smartphone? <laughs> yeah, you don't even have to raise your hand. We have all done that. Now, here's the thing that I want you to see. I want you to see that time is your most precious commodity. I want you to understand that time is, is, is one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to us. And the reality of this is, is the fact that time is, is limited and, and you can't, once you spend time, you can't get that time back. You know, I read a statistic that said that the average person's going to live 27,375 days. So if, so if you are 
you, you know, if you're 27 years old or older, you've already, you've already spent 10,000 of those days. Well, the interesting thing is you can't go back and get those days. Those days are gone. And so time is more precious to us than even our money. Because you can, you can create more money. You can always get another job and make more money. You can create more energy, but you can't invent and create more time. You have a limited amount of it. And here's the other kicker about it. You don't even know how much time you actually have. So we think we've got 27,000 plus days. We don't know that. That's just, that's just a guess. So really, church, what I want you to see is life management is really time management. That's what it is. And so it's about managing this tremendous gift that God has given to us. Now let's go back and look at Ephesians 5.15. Let me just show you what he says. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, right? Because the days are evil. So what he's saying is this, you need to think about how, how you can best use the time that God's given you. You're investing it. What's your best investment of your life and your time? And what Paul is saying is, I want you to make the best use of your time. Now, look at that phrase, look carefully. And we see that and we have a connotation with that word carefully. We kind of think of it as um, something we need to be worried about. And that's really not the connotation that he, he wants us to get. In the Greek, it's more I want you to be deliberate with your time. I want you to be intentional. Don't be careless, in other words. Don't be careless. Now, I shared with you that the average person checks their phone about 100 times a day. Uh, that, what we also see is the average person spends about three and a half hours a day on their smartphones. So they're checking it 100 times a day. They're spending about 3.4 hours per day. That's about 24 hours per week on our smartphones. And through an average lifespan, that, that computates to we're on pace to spend 11 years of our life on this thing right here. 11 years. And so what, what Paul is saying is this, don't waste your life. Don't waste it. And invest it and make the best use of time. There's a great principle that Paul talks about in another section of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 10. Paul says this. He says, all things are lawful, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. And so the principle there is this, that there are a number of things that are not sinful. Right? So if you, if you binge watch Netflix for an entire weekend... That's not sinful. And so what Paul is saying is, it's also not helpful. It's not going to build you up. In other words, it's not necessary. So you could spend three hours looking at, you know, cool animal videos on YouTube. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But it may not be the highest, best use of your time. And I think that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to say. So, so we need to watch this time waster trap with digital technology. Here's the second trap we, need to, we often fall into. And this is, this is what I call the worldly seduction trap. The worldly seduction trap. Go back and look at verse, verse 15 of Ephesians again. He says, look carefully then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. 
Now, what he's talking about with that phrase, days of evil, he's, he's acknowledging our daily existence, that we live in a world that is ruled by sin and selfishness and Satan. That's the world that we live in today. And so there are a number of people that have rejected God. They've rejected God's reign and claim on their life. And so from that rejection comes a set of ideas and values and philosophies and priorities that are contrary to the word of God. And so every time you and I get in on our smartphone, you know what we're doing? We are, we are, we are connecting to the world's sewer line of the world's value system, the world's philosophy, the world's ideas, and the world's priorities. That's what we're doing every time. Now, this is particularly evident when you, when you think about social media. This is just kind of a, a playground for, for the world's uh, ideas and values and philosophies. It's, it's very evident in social media. It's also very evident uh, in, in just advertising and marketing. We are bombarded daily with messages where the world is telling us how to think. They're telling us how to feel. They're telling us what to wear. They're telling us what's cool. And they're telling us what's not cool. And and so the reality is if we're constantly staring at our phones, if we're constantly focusing on those phones, we're going to be influenced by it. And so what happens is we, we, we start picking up on the world's value system of Basically, sex and salary and status and power and position and possessions. And we're, we're exposing ourselves to this over and over again. And what happens is we immediately start thinking, that must be true. We immediately start, listen, we listen to these lies long enough that we start believing them to be true. And so, and so then we start imitating them. And they start becoming a part of us. And it's really just... Lies from the enemy, lies from the world that, that really pull us down. And what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is, he says this, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he's saying is transformation comes by thinking the right thoughts, right? By having the right ideas and the right philosophy in our mind, the word of God. That's how transformation comes. But what he's saying is this, he comes with a warning. Do not be conformed to the world because it will squeeze you into its mold. And so we don't realize that this is exactly what is happening as we just spend endless, endless hours just mindlessly searching the internet. Now, according to the world's value system, what, you know, think about it this way. This is, what, this is the world's value system. The wealthiest people matter. The most beautiful people matter. The most powerful people matter. The most athletic people matter. That is who our society glorifies and exalts. And so if you don't fit neatly into one of those categories, guess what the message is? You don't matter. Now, is that true? What do we know? You matter so much that God gave his son for you. That's how much you matter. And so it's, it's, easily, it's, it's so easy to buy into this thought that we get from the world that says you've got to be thin, you've got to be smart, you've got to be beautiful, you've got to be rich. Otherwise, you're worthless. 
And this is the message of the world. I think that's why so many kids and students and adults are struggling with anxiety because they're tethered to this. They're trying to live up to a standard that's almost impossible to live up to. Does that make sense? And so, and so Paul says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. James 4.4 4 talks about the world. He says this, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. If, if you're pursuing constantly popularity and what the world offers, James says, I didn't say it. The word of God says you become an enemy of God. And that is that worldly distraction trap that we fall into. Now, there's one more trap that I want to just highlight, and it's this distraction trap. Let me show you this one again. This is uh, from, from verse 17 of chapter 5. Notice, notice what the Apostle Paul says. So this is, this, is how, this is how technology distracts us. He says, he says this, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Basically, he's inferring there, I want you to do the will of God. I want you to understand the will of God, and I want you to live the word of God. Now, how do we know the will of God? How do we know the will of God in our life? I think a lot of times we, we complicate this concept of the will of God. We think, well, it's, it's God showing me what college to go to, and God showing me what to major in, and what career to choose, and this business decision or that business decision. And, and, and I think that there is wisdom that God gives us and guidance that God gives us in all of those practical questions. But really the word of God is so simple. Uh, church, he's already given us the will of God through his word. That's how we know the will of God. And you know, the will of God for your life and for mine is very, very simple. It's love God and love people. Can I get an amen to that? That's the will of God. If you will do that, everything else will take care of itself. I promise you. Love God and love people. Now, here's the thing. I'm not sure about you, but I know for me, my phone often distracts me from those two things. So the Bible tells, tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll just not have anything to do and I'll just get on and just start just looking through and what's going on in other people's lives, you know. And, and uh, an hour later, um, I haven't done a lot of rejoicing. I haven't done a lot of thanking. I haven't done a lot of praying. But boy, I've done a lot of surfing. And, and really what it's done is just distracted me. From, from being who God made me to be, for loving Jesus. And really when Paul talks about praying continually and giving thanks in all circumstances and rejoicing always, what he's really talking about is just living your life with the awareness that God is with you. That's what that means, that he's always with you. And it's, and it's just being aware. It's just practicing the presence of God every day. And students, if you'll let him, he'll walk you to class. He's already with you. It's just you're not aware of him. So as you're walking to your biology class, 
pray, give thanks, rejoice, and you'll, you'll sense his presence with you. Or you're working up on the north side, you've got a 45-minute commute, practice his presence. Don't check your phone. I'll tell you another way that I get distracted is, you know, uh, the Bible says to be slow to speak and quick to listen. So I'm in a conversation with somebody and I get dinged. And what do I, what do, I do? I, I don't know if you do this, but I do it. I just want to whip that phone out and check that message in the middle of a conversation. You ever done that? Do you know that the, the greatest expression of your love for someone else is spelled T-I-M-E, time. Your focused attention, your time. And so oftentimes I allow my phone to distract me from loving people like I should. And so if we're constantly allowing this device to interrupt us, if we're constantly staring at it, constantly looking to it, constantly on it, being entertained by it, then it could be that we're giving this the place that only God deserves in our lives. Does that make sense? And so, so that's, that's at the heart of, of what I think the will of God is for us, is to, to be aware of God's presence. Now, church, listen to me. I'm not here to tell you today to go home and get a sledgehammer and then, you know, destroy your phone. That's not what I'm telling you to do. You're not going to do that and I'm not going to do that. This is, this is a part of our lives. But I think the question then becomes, how do we manage it as disciples, as Christ followers? How do we manage technology? I just want to give you three kind of broad strokes for how to glorify God with your smartphone. And the verse that I want to show you is a really cool verse. Uh, it's found in 1 Corinthians 10.31. And, and I want you to see that this is a section of Scripture where there was some division in the church about food and the right types of food to eat and the wrong types of food to eat. There was differences of opinion, not unlike the whole issue of mask wearing in our society today, but very similar to that. But this is what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 31. He says, so whether you eat or drink, all right, so that, that narrows it down, eating or drinking, and then he totally widens it, or whatever you do. So didn't, wouldn't you agree that, that that just about covers it? <laughs> I mean, eat, drink, or just whatever you do, whatever it is that you're doing, do what? Do it all for the glory of God. Really, church, that is your purpose in life, and that is my purpose in life. Remember this. Remember the gospel story. Remember your story now is a part of that gospel story, that you have been, you have been pulled out of darkness, and you have moved into light. That's what God's grace did to you, that you have been, you have been redeemed from, from the pit of life. You have been purchased out of that. that. That God took the emptiness of your life and the waywardness of your life and he found you and he saved you and he filled you with himself. And not only did he find you and save you and fill you, but he sealed you with himself. 
so that the very presence and the spirit of God is now living inside of you and me. We have this new life in Christ and it's out of this new life that now I'm empowered to glorify God with all that I have. I have the, I have the, the resources of the Holy Spirit to live a life that pleases God. Whereas before I came to Christ, I couldn't do that. But now I can, and now you can. That's what the first three chapters of Ephesians are all about. So what does that look like on my smartphone? Let me give you the three ways. Number one, use your smartphone to encourage connection. Use it to encourage connection. Really, technology is a gift from God. That's what technology is. It's a gift from God. But you have a choice. Like Shauna said, you, you, you can use it for good or you can use it for bad. And so I would challenge you as digital disciples, use your technology to encourage connection, to foster fellowship, to create community, Christ-centered community, community that's built on the grace of God. And so we've got all of these tools to do that with. We have Zoom, we have, you know, we've got uh, instant messenger. We have the ability to text. We can actually call somebody. We, we, I mean, this technology is absolutely amazing. Use it to invest in your friendships. Use it to build up the body of Christ. And I say this all the time, church, there are two things that are gonna last forever, God and people, God and people. And so really my smartphone is just a tool for me to encourage and connect with other people. In fact, the apostle Paul says it in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now, the problem today with this is we live in an age of outrage. We, we're living in a time that's characterized, everybody is outraged. Everybody is stressed out. Everybody is angry. And so, and so, it's really easy as we see these angry and frustrated and stressed out posts and interactions on social media. It's very easy for us to get sucked up into that. It's easy to get pulled right into it. And, and what's interesting is what characterizes this age of outrage that we're witnessing all around us is that, is that people have a genuine disgust for each other. I'm not I'm not kidding. Like, like there's this characteristic where if somebody, if somebody disagrees with us, we're disgusted by that. We're disgusted by them. And that's kind of at heart level what is happening in our interactions with one another uh, on social media and on, on phones. Now, can I make a very simple observation? If you read through the Gospels, one thing that you're going to notice is Jesus disagreed with a whole lot of people. Just read him. He disagreed with a lot of people, but you know what? He was never disgusted by people. In fact, what he did is died for them. And I will say to the church, we'll never reach people with the gospel if we're disgusted by people. And so you, you, you have to love 
people. And you can encourage people and then communicate that love to people. I think as Christians, we need to be different than the other interactions that come from the world. Does that make sense? So use it to encourage connection. Use it to build other people up. Use it to communicate love. But here's the second thing that I would encourage you to do with it. Use it to cultivate consecration. Use your phone to, con- to cultivate consecration. Now, what I mean by consecration is consecration just really means to take something and then offer it to God and devote it to God. And so your smartphone is a great tool for that. And say, God, I want to use, use my technology to grow in my relationship with you. I want to use this incredible, powerful device to, to grow in my relationship with God. Second Peter 3.18 says it like this. Grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, God wants you to grow. And the thing that I know as a pastor is many of you are not growing in your relationship with God. You're not growing. And God wants you to get growing, get moving, work out your salvation, work out the new life that he has given to you and placed inside of you. I think one of the reasons why we're not growing is because we basically eat one, two spiritual meals a month, and that's it. You know what I mean by that? We'll, we'll get into God's word, either through church attendance or through a small group or something, once or twice a month, and that is our spiritual meal for the month. Now, can I ask a question? If you ate phys- one physical meal a month, how would you be doing physically? Yeah, you wouldn't be doing very well. What you need is you need a regular intake of the word of God in your life. And do you know that your smartphone has great tools to help you grow and get the word of God into your life on a daily basis? Now, it doesn't have to be, you know, 27 chapters a day. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But it needs to be some amount where you can feed yourself on the word of God. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Do you know, um, as a pastor, I, I, I have a Bible app. It's called Logos Bible app. It's a great, it's a great Bible. I, I have a seminary library on my phone. I'm not making that up. Like all I have to do is type in a verse and I've got more resources that pop up than I can even read. There are Bible apps you can use for that. I would encourage you to do it. I have, a, I have an app that I use called Dwell and uh, it reads the Bible to me. It's an, it's an audio app. So a lot of times when I'm getting ready in the morning, I'll just turn that on and somebody's reading passages of scripture to me. And it's just a great way to be built up in the word of God. There are prayer apps. You can use a prayer app to track your prayer requests and then in your quiet time, pull it out and pray uh, those prayer requests. There are Bible memorization apps that you can use that will help you to do that. And so I wanna encourage you, church, to grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you grow by getting into God's word. The number one catalyst for your growth is daily intake of God's word. Daily intake. Just that consistent rhythm of putting yourself in in under the Lord's word to us. Does that make sense? All right, here's the last one. 
use it to fulfill the Great Commission. You want to encourage, encourage community. Um, you, want to, you want to cultivate consecration. But I want to challenge you to fulfill the Great Commission. I love 1 Chronicles 16, 24, uh, where the writer tells us, Declare His glory among the nations. Declare His marvelous works among all the peoples. And so, I don't know if you realize this, but um, you're, you're living in a world where you can post something and that post will literally go all over the world. Where hundreds of thousands of people would see your post. And so, I think what we need to be doing as Christians is trying to harness technology to further the Great Commission. I really do. Many of you know my, my late father-in-law, Pastor Woody Church, uh, he, did a, he did a little post on Facebook called Goody for Woody. And we can go in and we can look at the statistics on Goody from Woody. And um, there are posts that he would post. He would oftentimes post scriptures and just thoughts about God that point people to Jesus. Literally, we could go in and see a couple hundred thousand people saw those posts on any given post on any given day. And then, and then they would share it and then on down the line. And so I really think that, that that is a way that you and I can be digital disciples. Now, let me just talk to parents, and I'm going to close with this. I want to give you two resources because, you know, I, I really could have just stood up here and give you specific kind of rules and principles, but I didn't want to do that. You need to be a prayerful parent and a thinking parent. And I want to give you just two resources that will help you lead your kids in this whole issue. Uh, the first book is 12 Ways Your, Your Phone is Changing You by uh, Tony Reinke. And, uh, and then the second one is called The TechWise Family. It's by Andy Crouch. These, are, these, these books are absolute gold if you want to raise your kids to be digital disciples. And they'll get into tools and practices and rhythms for you and your family that will really protect uh, your family and be a blessing for your, for your family in the use of technology. Let me share with you one last thing. And I'm going to finish with this. Do you know that cross right there is an example of technology? It was technology invented by the Romans to give a person the most gruesome, painful death as punishment for whatever crime that they were found guilty of. Jesus took that technology and he redeemed it. He took that technology and he brought many sons and daughters into the family of God. To the point now that many of us wear that technology around our neck or on our ring or we have it hanging on the wall. That's how much God loves you. That's, that's our motive for being digital disciples. He died for us. We live this new life for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, the blessing of technology. It does so much good today. But we're also very aware that there's a dark side to it. And I pray, Lord, that you would grant us wisdom as, as adults, as students, as kids, God, that you would grant us wisdom that we would 
we would make the most of every opportunity. Lord, that, that we would just reflect your goodness and your glory in all that we do and all that we say and all that we post. I ask that we would just be an army of Christ followers pointing everybody else to the love of God. So help us not to worship our phone, but to use our phone to worship you. And so God, give us, give us your grace in that. And we love you in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen.